See, you brought up a good point. I just hit go live. No, I usually just um kind of hope that people see it from the day before. Mm-hmm. But anyway, and we're live. Hi, and welcome to Gay Out the City. I'm your host, Prince Electro Diamond, and today I am here with creator and judge on GoGo for the Gold, OnlyFans content creator, just for fans content creator model and a former go di- go-go dancer greg mckeon how you doing today sexy i'm doing good how about you i am good i'm so excited that we're getting a chance to do this and like thank actually, you for having me yeah of course we had we had some scheduling conflicts before but it's like i as i say i am always the person who will give somebody a second chance i usually don't give people a third <laughs> But, it was uh it was unexpected my my yeah. dog had puppies and yeah. so last time we were supposed to do this chat they were she was like in labor popping them out yeah. i was there like the quarterback like hike you know next puppy yeah um it was like dj Khaled with puppies another one another one <laughs> and then they like come out and they're like bleeding and they're in this like sack and then the dog has to like eat them like eat the sack and then like cut the umbilical cord and then there's like blood everywhere and my husband was out of town so i was here like by myself like and this is above my pay grade and i was like is this real life it was a lot but so thank you for having me on again i appreciate it now the puppies are one month old and they're getting uh even cuter um less like little aliens and more like actual dogs so well well, I mean, it was all good because you communicated with me. The one thing is, as I say, I always give a second chance to people who communicate with me. If you completely ghost me, forget it. Yeah, being a content Wait. creator, sometimes the line goes like dead. Like someone will be like, we're going to buy a ticket. I'll talk to, talk to you when I get back to the hotel room. And then you're like, are you coming? Are you there? And the other day I got a text message from like one of those scams and it says i'm here at the airport and i was like oh, fuck like which content creator is this that bought a ticket and didn't tell me and then there i was like who is this and they were like it's cindy we met at the cocktail party last week and i was like no cindy we didn't this is not real <laughs> but i was like for a moment panicked that i had some twink who was like i'm here with my backpack and dildo and douche and where are you? <laughs> yeah, like I will say I'm definitely the person who has to like schedule I I am very much the way. I have to schedule things out cuz like there's a point where I was booking people like months in advance and like if I didn't like put who which guests I was going to have, I would never would remember. Like <laughs> So like, who's been your favorite guest you've had on so far? My favorite guest is actually someone who I'm friends with. His name is um Milo Marks. He's a musician. And like the reason I got to know him, he hates this. He was on the show for the love of Dilfs. Mm. He was on one episode and like got himself kicked off, like just for having an attitude. And I'm like, I'm like, this is someone I think I want to be friends with. I haven't actually seen the show, but it looks really good. It is. I mean, I will say this. It's a great show to watch once. 
upon trying to rewatch it, it's not as interesting. Like, it's one of those kinds of shows where it's like, and that's the one with Stormy Daniels. Yeah. Yeah. And were they living in a house together? They were living in a house in that show. I actually found out because at first I thought the show was filmed in LA, but they're like, no, that show's filmed in Fort Lauderdale. I'm like, it is. And then I saw iguanas and I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. That's definitely, I don't think they don't have iguanas in LA, do they? Um, no, no, to think okay. about it. No, I was like, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> and if it would have been in LA, it would have been in the Valley somewhere far, far away from actual Los Angeles to get a house that big. I wanted when we did the go-go show, go-go for the gold. I wanted them to live in a house originally. Um, I thought that that would have been good to like make them suffer that together would have, that would have been like yeah that would definitely would have been like especially like season one the like the drama between like aj and rico would have been great to like see them in a house like well and then those those house shows were like they get, you know more or less get them like liquored up they turn up the heat so that they have to take <laughs> off all their clothes and then they just see what happens, at least. I mean, some of the shows I've watched, at least. <laughs> Work. So, where are you originally from? I was born in San Diego. Um, and then lived all over um, all over the place. I moved to Alaska when I was, like, three years old. And then Sacramento until I was 13. And then moved to Eastern Europe and Latvia for 8th and ninth grade. And then Holland... Um, in the Hague for high school. My dad was uh, working overseas. So I was in Europe for five years and then did a year of school in Connecticut and then went on a program called Semester at Sea, which is like a boat trip around the world for students for 100 days. And then went to the Czech Republic for a semester and then transferred to UC Berkeley where I finished my school. And then when I was at UC Berkeley, I was also coming down to LA and started go-go dancing in West Hollywood and then also danced in San Francisco and then lived in um, West Hollywood until the pandemic. And then we moved up here and bought a Christmas tree farm, as you can see the trees over here. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But they're like more of the trees that they use to make wreaths. So they're like tall and skinny and not like traditional Christmas trees. So we just sold an order for 10,000 pounds on Saturday. And we had people out there like cutting them all and making yeah. holiday magic. That's amazing. As I was telling you off camera, like, as I said, I've lived in Florida my whole life. And like, when I tell people like, cause it's the thing when I, to I told, I told Greg, I was thinking about moving to Detroit. And like, when you tell people that they're like, first thing is they're like, you're going to get shot. I'm like, I'm like, this is America in 2023, almost 2024. You can get shot anywhere. I didn't say you were going to get shot. You didn't say it, but I... I asked you why. I asked you why, though. Because <laughs> for me, being from San Diego and you being from Florida, when you said Detroit, I was like, grab a jacket. Like, that's not the climate zone that I'm ready to move to quite yet. But when you said music, it makes sense. There's a lot of yeah. great music out of Detroit. Um so it sounds like a good fit for you. So I'm yeah. happy for you for that. And and plus, let's just say this. 
your bitch has been with plenty of um black guys and there are plenty of black guys in detroit so like should be good <laughs> my my dad's from michigan originally so i haven't been to detroit as an adult in any recent memory but as a kid i used to go to michigan so i think it'll be good for you yeah and it's like yeah as i said i need from yeah thinking about it and because my thing was originally like when i thought about moving out of florida i wanted to move to atlanta but it's like atlanta now atlanta is not affordable now like I was planning on moving there like five, six years ago and like apartments were cheap then. I looked now and it's like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, Portland compared to Los Angeles is much more affordable. Yeah. Well, obviously that's LA and see, I'm one of the people who is like, if I ever thought everyone's like, thinking moving to los angeles you're gonna live in weho it's like do you know how expensive it is in weho like especially if you're from like if you're in a place making not a lot of money like you should shoot lower shoot for like south central you could probably afford to live there like yeah west hollywood's really expensive yeah it was crazy even in the 10 years i lived there mike in 2010 we had a one bedroom um for like i think it was 1100 and a two bedroom was like 1600 and now that two bedroom has like doubled in price almost and what was like for 1100 is now i think 2100 so it's just crazy but i mean everything's gotten more expensive with inflation so yeah yeah totally so what was it like for you growing up as a kid like i know that that probably like moving around all the time was pretty like chaotic for you as a kid right i was like it was all right um i enjoyed learning about new places i mean when i first when we first moved to europe it was a little bit um scary to think about where i was going and i had like friends in middle school and um i was like sad to leave them and i remember when i was leaving i had a going away party and all these girls from my class were sitting around crying we're just gonna miss him and then once i got to latvia it was like not it didn't matter anymore but the opportunity was like so different from where i was that i never really looked back and was sad on moving there it was just like super wild and crazy um i was in latvia in the year 2000 so it was shortly after the soviet union ended there wasn't the european union my school was basically like diplomats and mafia kids. There were only 30 kids in grade six to 12. So like some of my friends, parents had like SUVs with the front window tinted and they had like um, guards at their door with like guns and drivers. And, and then my other friends all had diplomatic passports and with diplomatic plates. So in Latvia, they had an issue with corruption when we lived there. So if you were like, part of the organized crime or you were a diplomat then they would not like mess with your cars if they did like traffic stops where they would just pull everybody over and charge the money but everybody else would get pulled over and they'd be like give us five dollars okay you can go on so it was like i just remember as a kid being like where are we like this is not america where we came from 
I remember I moved there too. I had an American flag pen, like on a necklace. And the European kids yeah. were like, no, no, we don't like America. And I was like, what? You don't like America? The greatest country in the world? And they were like, no, <laughs> no, we don't. And then when I lived in Holland, it was during um, Bush and during the Iraq war. Right. And, and then people definitely didn't like Americans. So when I was in high school, we used to tell people we were Canadian. So we didn't have to like deal with the fallout of being American overseas during that time. Um, and it always, it always seemed to work, but it just gave me a different perspective on what it was like to live internationally and experience different cultures and to look at, I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big U.S. fan, um, but it was interesting to learn that not everybody felt the same way about the rest of the world that we did as Americans at the time, or from my very narrow focus of being a 13 to 15 year old. Um, and then I ended up going and studying history at UC Berkeley because I wanted to find out why Europeans were different than Americans and how their cultures and their history played into how they are as people. Um, so I found history really fascinating. It wasn't the most lucrative career. Um, right. I'm not necessarily using it now, but I did find it really interesting to learn about where I was living. Right. And like, First of all, that thing about America, I will say this. I would say America would be an amazing country if people in America would learn to, like, mind their own fucking business and, like, not get involved in other countries' wars. Like, I am very much the person who's like, how can how can America afford to send foreign aid when you got people starving in the streets? Like, that's honestly just... I'm always glad that I'm not the one making American policy and I don't have to necessarily worry about all these intricate issues. And I also, some people have reached out and wanted me to use my porn platform of Twitter to say different things politically. And I'm like, people are there to come. This is a distraction. This is not the place where people are going for a lesson. I'm not Professor Berg on this page. I'm a professor who fucks the hot hot students but i am not a professor who is going to save the world with one tweet which i'm not knocking people that do it but my page is a fantasy and that's how that's how i run it um Uh, yeah i mean i can totally get that i used to like i am so glad that like this takes up so much of my time now because i used to do a political show and this and music and like once this started taking up more of my time, I literally dropped the political show because I'm like, thank God. Because, like, I love getting to, like, spread knowledge, but it's, like, at the end of the day, it's, like, when you have to, like, read statistics that you're going to have to, like, rep- like give to people, it's depressing. Yeah. Like, to sit there and read, like, these awful, awful things. It's, like, that's why I'm, like, I'd rather just do a... um. <laughs> do a show with like a little bit of intelligence but get a chance to like just interview go-go boys and like interview attractive people and like just talk about their lives it seems so much easier (laughs) yeah i mean i don't mind learning about what's happened in the past because it gives me less anxiety to be like okay this happened how did it happen what was really happening why did it happen but looking at the future terrifies me sometimes because i'm like 
like i know where we came from i know what we did before so like i don't know even with the russia ukraine war i was like this is not good like if they take if they take ukraine they're gonna go for more of eastern europe um and yeah. a lot of it's now nato and european union so it's less of a concern but when i was in latvia i remember my family was like uh is that safe to be there like is this and i i think russia and ukrainians are hot so i was like no don't kill them don't kill them send them to me we can do only fans videos <laughs> like what are we doing killing them like <laughs> exactly but especially send the ballet dancers send the gymnasts <laughs> uh, what a what a waste but totally so what was it like for you coming out um so when i lived in latvia one of my friends told me when i was there he was like are you gay and i was like no no definitely not gay and he was like okay good because russians if they know you're gay they'll kick your ass he grew up in moscow and he had this explained to him at a young age that they don't like gay people and he's like and i was like okay got it not gay and then he was like so do you want to jerk off together and i was like yeah absolutely <laughs> like we're not gay we're both horny like we're like 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 eighth and ninth graders like why not like that makes sense and so um so it was one of those things where i knew i was gay I knew I liked guys, but then I also had this like real homophobia that I was dealing with. And even in the, when I, I did gymnastics in Latvia and at the gym, they were like, no homo, you know, like this is not a gay sport. And like, so I was just like, just shut the fuck up, enjoy the muscle show. Like, and right. that was it. And then I moved to Holland, which is of course one of, I mean, it was the first country to legalize gay marriage. So they're, they're like totally accepting of gay people, but I still had this internal track. I grew up religious. So I grew up being like, you know, a man and a woman get married, have kids. Like this is the life. And I didn't want to come out and then do like a 180 later and be like, just kidding. I'm not gay. I just said right. it and like have to deal with all of that. Um, so I didn't actually come out until I was like 21 um, to my friends and to my family um when i was 18 19 i was like you know going to gay parties when i was in europe um i moved to the czech republic to try to well i moved there to study but then i also thought well this is where the bell and me boys are from like duh that's where yeah. i want to go which was disappointing when i got there because prostitution is legal in czech republic so they were all working boys and they weren't like at the nightclubs like i'm a bella me boy let's do it so um i was like where are they where are they and then you'd see one with like a like an older gentleman and you'd be like oh that's what's going on here got it right um but yeah so then when i went to west hollywood for the first time and i saw like guys that i found like attractive and could connect with and i was like okay this is what i am i'm a gay this is this is it right. for sure but now it's interesting because when i was young when i first came out of course i was like i'm bisexual and like i thought mm. maybe maybe try like dating and i never wanted to actually date a woman and like do all of that but i was like you know keep the options on the table you never know 
um the last the last uh, woman i had sex with had a shaved head so i was like hmm. <laughs> it was it was on semester at sea and when you cross the equator on a boat that you can like shave your head is like part of some like like maritime ritual and so she had her head shaved so i thought it was funny but um but she was like coming on to me and was like do you want to fuck and i was like i mean i am horny i guess we could try this but now the young people they'll do whatever they want they'll be gay but fucking girls for only fans videos for their own time there'll be a femboy who's having sex with a girl for a video like really the labels and the old the old timers like me with my old timer hat you know we were like we're like gay we like men and then that's it and then now it's like there's a whole spectrum of possibilities which i think is pretty cool um yeah. everyone's like super hypersexualized and horny and down for whatever um and so now i've started to think like could i do like a buy three-way like with a couple if the guy was really hot and then the girl was there like would that work or would i be like terrified um i don't know i don't know the answer i was on tinder it was like do you want to swipe both that i like tried it for a minute and i was like what the what am i doing with my life like this is not what i want it was interesting to see what was presented on Tinder from both sides, but I was like, where are like the cute guys? Like, but then even doing gay porn, um, we have trans men. Um, and I always thought being gay was you like the dick. Like that was what I thought like the main culminating point of being gay was, was like sucking a dick and like, right. And then, so then the concept of like, no, this is a man, but there is no dick. There is a vagina, but it is still a man. And I was like, okay. So um, it was, it was kind of cool that doing gay porn, I was, my mind was open to a lot of different things. Trans men, eating ass, bottoming. Like these are things that I, not that, I mean, the eating ass and the bottoming, of course, I would have known about trans men. Um, but yeah. the things that it, the opportunities I've had have been cool doing gay porn. So I haven't thought like, should I try to have sex with a female content creator? I mean, a lot of yeah. my fans would be fucking pissed at me if I did. And right. they would be like, no, you're gay. We can't lose another one. <laughs> like. I mean, people really try to tell you how to live your life when you're a content creator. And I've always told people, I'm going to do whatever I want because I want to do it. And not that I don't care what you think, but you telling me that I have to eat the load out of his ass is not going to make me do it. Like, I'll do it if I want to do it, but not because you personally aren't getting off unless I eat the load out of his ass. Like, exactly. you don't have that much power over me. And then somebody wrote the other day and said, you haven't been eating the loads out of the ass. Did you forget about me? <laughs> it's like, ignore. Ignore. See, that is crazy. I will say, to my coming out, to that religious upbringing, I totally get it. I had one myself. I would say, I always say, in some ways I was fortunate because I only had to come out to one parent because I came out four months after my mom died. So it was only having to come out to my dad and like I have an older sister who were both accepting. The person I shouldn't have come out to was a youth minister of the church. 
So I told him about this performance idea I had with like a knife and how I'd practice stabbing myself because I'm dramatic. <laughs> Clearly. And like he left the room. He came back in about 10 minutes later and he said, you have one of two options. Either you're coming with me or I'm calling the cops. And you were like, it's just a show. It's just, it's just performative. Yeah. And my dumb ass went with him. I should have let him call the cops now in hindsight. So I went to go get a psyche valve. I passed it. They had told me I passed it. But after I, they, I guess apparently after he found out that I had passed, he went around and like lied to the people and told them that like I was lying, giving them the answers. And as a result, I got locked in a mental institution for 64 hours. Hmm. Sounds intense. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I luckily never told my youth minister of my idea to stab myself in a performance. <laughs> well, it's because exactly. And it's like, I did, however, the first time that um, I, I like, I had a friend from church who was like, are you gay? And I was like, mm. and he's like, well, I'm bi. And I was like, okay, well maybe. And then he was like, well, can I suck your dick? And I was like, like a sophomore in high school back visiting in the U S and I went to church and he was like, yeah, yeah, you can. And he's like, meet me in the church parking lot. And I was like, Oh, okay. So we met in the parking lot, like during, probably during the service. I mean, I'm going to go straight to hell, but, um, and then I was supposed to suck his dick too. And as soon as I blew, I was like, I'm fucking out of here. No homo. What did I do? And that was kind of my feelings with being gay until I was like, I mean, probably end of my 20s was like after i would come i'd be like oh no what did i do this is no not good this is like like i don't know like come remorse like like i remember the first time when i was 18 i went to new york city and i was going to school in connecticut and i was like, okay i want to have gay sex but my mom always told me if you have sex with um my dog is here hi my um that if you have gay sex, that you will, or not gay sex, but if you meet people, like um, the other serial killers, like these guys are like crazy out there. Like, don't go to their house, they'll kill you. So I was always like scared to do like grinder hookups and stuff like that. Um, and so I went to New York City and I went into uh, one of those like old, um places with like i don't know if they have them anymore with like glory holes like one of the sex stores with like videos and then this this like man was like here come here and he took me into one of the booths and like put money through the thing and he's like stick your dick in the hole and i let him suck my dick and i left and i was like am i gonna get hiv am i gonna get an std was i supposed to use a condom like i was like totally not like some of these like two-handed 15 18 year old twinks that i see on the internet i was like very slow in my in my accepting of being gay and doing gay things um yeah well that's also you said that stuff in new york they've kind of cleaned up new york so i don't think those places exist anymore but i've heard about them we do have them in portland yes we do we have them. We have a lot of them, like on Snippies. 
um, they list them and you go into them and they have, they're very nice because they don't just have like one hole on the wall. They have this like long hole like this way. So that if you're taller or shorter, you could like make the hole work for you, which I thought was kind because it wasn't just like, oh, like, cause no one's wow. like, it's not like a glory oval instead of a glory hole. And yeah, my, my favorite one is you have one glory hole on one side and then one glory hole on the other side. So you don't know, like, if one dick looks like or smells a little funky or, like, not your cup of tea, then another dick pops in. Or you see these eyes, like, peering in the hole. Um, and it's – I was a little bit freaked out the first time I went. But, you know, like, I, I'm coming from Los Angeles where Grinder was, like, just – just plentiful whatever you were looking for it was nearby especially west hollywood and then right. you load you load organ grinder and it's like the same profile grid for five years with the same pictures and you're just like there's nothing new here <laughs> there's nothing there's no like i mean it's not that there's nothing new but not that overstimulation you get in like a big city right so i was like okay let's try alternate means try the sniffies app um, which is, have you been on the Sniffies app? I have heard about it. No, I've never been on it. It's fucking crazy. People like will just tell you like, okay, I'm in my car. I'm at this park. And I would tell my husband, I'm like, you can't go meet somebody in a dark park. Like they're going to kill you. Just like my mom said. <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's like cruising and he's trying to explain it to me. And I'm like, it sounds dangerous. You have to let somebody know where you're going. Like you can't just like follow the the, the dick into the darkness and then think that nothing bad's gonna happen. Um, I actually am now a Sniffy's ambassador, so I <laughs> I've I've been supposed to be doing a post to promote it and be like, but there's all these like rules for it, and so I'm trying to make sure that I like follow the influencer guidelines which it's funny to be like come have sex with me at a park and then have to put um sniffies like you have to put that you're an influencer according to influencer rules so i was like we're following these rules we're not we're following those rules um i don't condone having sex in the park and i guess this would be like a special sex park because sniffies they don't want you breaking the rules but people can yeah. list whatever the cruising locations are. So right. um, I mean, I really should shut the fuck up so I don't break my <laughs> uh, I should like review what I am allowed and not allowed to say. But it is a great app for finding dick nearby. And the cool thing is, my favorite part is that you don't get a like filter by like all the traditional filters. You just see the dicks yeah. on the map. So it really like levels the playing field. If yeah. you're like over a certain age and you might not get the attention you would get on a normal app because of people's strict age filters or something. If you have a nice dick or you have a regular dick or you just have a dick that somebody wants, whatever that is. I mean, I'm not, I like big dicks. My husband like loves big dicks, but I'm okay with like normal size dicks. I'm okay with like with um, dicks that actually feel good in my ass and not just like King Kong monster dicks. Um, so I don't know. I'm an equal opportunity employer for different dicks. 
We'll see. Okay. That is a beautiful way to be. I will say this. You I want the big dicks. Well, no, no, no. I'm a thicker bitch with a fat ass. Like, it's literally just, as I always say, there's a certain size that's too small. Like, and that's usually, that's about six inches. So it's not like I'm, like, too judgmental. But, like, my friends with benefits is eight. So, like, and frankly, that's that's literally the only person I'm having sex with. Now, when I have time, because as I was telling you before, this shit keeps me busy. <laughs> um, yeah, in the porn world, it's really crazy when you like come across these like ginormous dicks. You're just like, where did this dick come from? How did this person get this huge dick? Um, yeah, it's really you get really tall people, really short people, really big dicks, really juicy yeah. asses. So, I mean, there is lots of glamorous things about doing porn, and then you do get shit on occasionally. So, whatever my, my, I'm talking to my, my friends, and they're like complaining about their day jobs. And I'm like, but did you get shit on today for your job? No. No, you didn't. Okay. Okay. It's not, it's not that bad. I mean, there's, there's pros and cons, but, and of course, it yeah. doesn't always happen like that. But I mean, no. when you're doing butt stuff, it's like, is what it is especially studio porn studio porn is the worst because sometimes they hire people who have like not had that much experience because they're cute and then they tell them okay you're gonna bottom and they're like uh, uh i don't really know what i'm doing and then it's like oh and then they're like okay you have to four more minutes get back to fucking them and you're just like i'm gonna get shit on again i know it but See, and that's why, like, those are the mistakes you're supposed to make in your younger years, which is, well, actually, yeah, in your younger years. My younger years were, like, so I didn't I didn't have sex for the first time until I was 22. So, I mean, like, as I say, like, I would say, like, 22 through, like, 26, I made, like, terrible decisions. So, like, now at 29, I know what I'm doing, kind of. Well, I hope I know what I'm doing. But it's still scary. Like I go on gay cruises and at the white party, they have like a white party and then they have like after parties in the different suites, the different rich daddies. And there's like this one suite and they give like wristbands to all of the like guys that they want to come. And it's like wristband only and really exclusive and pretty hot. And I was at the party and I was like getting fucked. And I was like, oh God, my stomach is like, and I was like, leave, leave now. Like, you do not want code brown at the white party. And then you have to walk across the whole ship carrying your not so white clothes. And you had a whole moment. So I don't know. I was like telling myself, I'm like, people know who you are, bitch. Like you are not anonymous. Like this is not how you want to end the cruise is being that guy at the party. So I don't know. It, you always hope that wisdom has gotten the best of you, but I don't know. And I never get mad at the situation. If it was to happen, it is part of putting stuff in your ass and taking yeah. risks. Um, but, yeah. The more you know, yes. don't be code brown at the white party. And first, 
just because of that like notion, I don't think I'd want to have sex at white party just for that exact reason. <laughs> oh, it's fine. Oh, it's fine. Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> You'll be fine. I believe in you. Have you been on a gay cruise? I never have. No, I haven't done. I will say there's plenty of stuff. I mean, I will say this. I just recently started going out in Fort Lauderdale and like my friends at benefits got mad. He's like, he's like, I've wanted you to go all this time. And like, why didn't you go before? I'm like, cause I didn't know anybody who was entertaining there. Like I know people now, like I'll go out and support my friends, but like, I'm not going to go there and like, just give some strangers a bunch of money. Like, why would I do that? <laughs> why not? Let's spread the love. Yeah. We have um, gay. We have uh, naked strippers in Portland, like fully naked strippers. Do you guys have naked strippers in Florida? Uh, trying to think of. No, I don't think that they do. I think like the nearest place that eat to Florida that have like full naked strippers is not even open anymore. Is this place called I'm um, Swinging Richards in Atlanta? Mm -hmm. They used to have well, like guys. We have naked strippers here, but it's like naked if they want to be naked. So like oftentimes it's not naked. We're in LA, like I would have loved to like whip my dick out and like not had to worry I was breaking any laws. Um in Los Angeles, the go-go dancers, they have all these cabaret laws that they're kind of like mandated under. So you can't do this and you can't do that. And you can only accept tips certain ways according to the law that they would like post in the back of the club. And I would, I was always worried. I was like, I don't want to get some huge fine being a go-go boy, just trying to make other gay people happy and to do things that gay people as a community endorse because the liquor board says this is an issue. I don't know. Like living in Europe for um, growing up, they're definitely more liberal about different things, nudity, sex. Like in Amsterdam, yeah. they have like live sex shows. Um, at some of the big circuit parties in Spain, they have live sex shows. Like, so it's like they're not mandated the same way that they are here, where they're like, no, there's liquor involved. We have to follow all these additional guidelines. Um, which is like quite boring I, to me. Yeah, and it's also the fact that like there are laws. Like I know technically there has to be rules, places. I understand that, but that to me seems insane, especially when you think about how lots of people, not of course me, because I feel once you interviewed enough go-go dancers, you know how to treat a go-go dancer when you go to see them. But it's like the way people feel that they can just like get away with treating go-go dancers and like going underneath their thong and like sticking their finger in their ass like i'm like how the f without permission i'm like how the fuck do people think that this is like okay well that was something that i experienced was being nice to people and then having people abuse your niceness um treating everyone the same including really drunk people and then being surprised when they act like really drunk people um and just people's entitlement with like $1 thinking that, okay, I have a dollar. I can do whatever I want to this go-go boy. He wants no. my dollar. He needs my dollar. Um, 
it's really quite fucked up. Um, that was one of the reasons why I created the show Go Go for the Gold was because I wanted Go Go Boys to be in a more respected light and I wanted them to be able to get more national bookings and to be treated as more of top tier talent that I saw a lot of them be. Um, when I was go-go dancing, I started in 2007, right before the economy tanked in 2008. And there were only a couple go-go dancers in each club in LA. There was one club where it'd be me and one girl. And then that was it. We'd come up for 30 minutes, do our show, go down. And then that was it. That's all you got all night. And then once the economy tanked in 2008, then it started to be like 15 go-go dancers all just lined up. The pay went from $100 to $50. And then it was more like the vibe was, what are you doing after this? I don't know. What are you doing? And less of like dancing, entertaining, bringing the energy to the party. And I was never one to do like after hours work. I was always like tired from dancing and like from entertaining and so the last thing i was thinking about was like i want to go and get murdered by this person at their hotel room right <laughs> hear my mom in the back of my head they're gonna kill you greg don't go to their, don't go to their house yeah um, and so um i was always trying to like have the what's the word i'm looking for the power to like get paid more money from the clubs and to try like i saw a drag race um start and a lot of the drag queens who used to work the doors at the parties do little side shows here and there all of a sudden had a platform and had the ability to go and tour and to do great things and i was like you know what we need to create a show for gogo boys to try to give them that same kind of opportunity um so i came up with the idea back in, I think it was 2013, I was doing personal training at the time. And one of my clients I was training was like, you should call it Go-Go for the gold. And I was like, huh, that'd be a good name. So we wrote up the concept with um, with the Go-Go boys living in a house together. And it was like a big budget concept and nobody wanted to give us that much money to make it. And so we kind of watered down the concept from where it first started. And then like, what was it? almost 10 years later, we got asked to do it without TV. And so we did season one and um, people seemed to like it. And we came back and did season two. We're not sure about if there'll be more seasons at this point, but I'm open for it. Um, I'd like to see more go-go dancers get the opportunity to compete. When, when we put the show together originally, we didn't have the level of talent at the clubs that I saw on the show, like Rico blew my mind as a go-go boy. Like the, the way that he performs, like yeah. at the, cause back in the day, go-go boys used to be like very separate from professional dancers. Like some professional dancers would do it, but they always felt like it was super beneath them. Yeah. And it wasn't like, they didn't want to put themselves at that level. And it was like, well, if I'm going to get paid hundreds of dollars for this gig, why would I do it for $50? And then what kind of changed in Los Angeles was the Abbey started to have more dancers on the weekend before the Abbey used to only have dancers um, for like gay pride and maybe some of the big holidays, but then they started to have dancers every weekend. And then that's when I noticed that it started to become like more professional dancers who could 
make a lot of money on the pole. They were being treated more as a star and less of a side piece entity. Um, So I was, I was glad we got to do the show. I was glad we got to give two dancers, $10,000 just as like a reward for being the best go-go boy. I, when I was go-go dancing, people used to tell me that I was their favorite all the time. And I think it was because I was smiling and I was happy to be there and I was genuinely having fun where some of the dancers right. looked like somebody was like, get on the box dance. And they were just, and it was like no life. Um, I also had a gymnast body as a 21 year old. So I think that didn't yeah. help in my, my silly ears. People love and my big ass. Um, so I don't know. It was it was a lot of fun to do the show. And it's also to your point of um talking about the go-go dancers. It's also and this is at least what I've heard from some go-go dancers. It's the way that straight guys who are working in a gay bar act versus the way that gay guys act so that are working in a gay bar. I feel like that's also part of that, like, you say that stiffness. I feel like that's something that a lot of straight guys are more of in an, in a gay bar go-go dancing versus gay people. I'm not going to say back then, but I'm definitely going to say now, at least from what I've heard. Yeah, there were a lot of straight guys. I mean, there weren't a lot of dancers when I first started. Yeah. We had our, our go-go booker at the time was a drag queen named Willem Belly, and he was... <laughs> in charge or she was in charge of all of the uh, go-go dancers and the, the the emails we used to get from willem were fucking crazy um it's they would be like they'd be like so dancers have been showing up late if you're hot please disregard this message because you're hot but anybody <laughs> else you might be fine <laughs> uh and, that I mean, sounds like willem <laughs> it was it was really funny um he 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 had a challenging job like managing the go-go boys um a lot of them were not the best employees and he had the clubs that he had to like negotiate them with and like make sure the clubs were happy so but just like his quick wit um and then when he went on drag race and then is now well it was just like crazy to think like to have such an intimate connection with somebody like that and i mean it was also cool go-go dancing back in the day um like i used to be friends with detox that was another one that used to be like all the la queens they were all working at the club so we were all kicking after parties and um i'm really happy to see so many of them find such success now and to be able to keep working in nightlife um, I got a little bit burned out working in nightlife. It was a uh, in my twenties. It was a lot of drinking, a lot of having fun with substances, right. and so at a certain point, it was like, all right, I need to like chill out. Now I live on a farm. I don't go out. I go to Europe and party and go on gay cruises, but that's like you know every three to six months, go to a couple events and then be back to my boring dad vibes on the farm well in truth i get that i don't i don't drink when i perform now because i had like a night 
where I almost got a DUI, and that pretty much like that gave me like a rude awakening to where I'm like, and it was it wasn't a night where I was like buying stuff. People were just like buying me drink after drink after drink after drink, and then I had gotten my car, and I thought for some reason I thought I was like more sober than I was, and then I drove. I had to drive an hour home, as I said. I think I made it about 45, 50 minutes home, and then that's when I got pulled over by a cop. And luckily, my dad saved my ass. Otherwise, I would have gotten DUI. So it's like, that was me now. And first of all, as I was telling you before, I'm a musician. It's better to have, it's better for my voice to have like water or green tea anyway, because like, it's good for the throat and it's like i kind of like that i can do it sober and it makes me like more aware yeah yeah and it's also cheaper because like yeah i i wasn't a sober go-go dancer i was a little bit messy at times really messy well yeah because well i get why as a go-go dancer you'd want to be like a little fucked up because again as we talked about people treat go-go dancers like garbage not everyone but like a lot of people treat go-go dancers like garbage and it's like or they think they can do anything to them it's like if you're having people like put your hands all over you and touch you any way that they want try and grab your dick i can understand why you wouldn't want to be sober for that yeah, near the end of my go-go dancing career, I was more sober. And then it was, but then, I mean, I learned eventually, if you saw somebody coming up who didn't have money in their hand, just ignore them. <laughs> like, wave at them, say hello. But like, you don't, I used to always be like, connecting with everybody, like trying to make sure, I used to like when people looked like they were like having a really bad day. And then they would see me and then they would like get happy. And then they would like Aww. kind of like, like make their day. Like, I mean, I'd do the same thing at the grocery store. If there's like a really angry, like checker lady or checker man. And I'm like, I want to become friends with this person. Like, let me see how yeah. long it'll take to like turn this person and treat them like a human and like, see how, see how I can be like, there was this one checker and she was always having a bad day, just not into it. And when I moved, I went back and I went to the store and she saw me. She's like, oh, my God, it's you. And I was like, yeah. So I don't know. I I think it's fun when you can take people who look like as an entertainer, when you look, see people who are visibly not happy and make them happy, then I feel exactly. like you've done a good job. Um, yeah. And with go-go dancing, I would do it so that I would try to connect with people one-on-one. -on -one. And I used to be a lifeguard, like, before I was ever working in nightlife and you'd be like scanning the room and I'd kind of like see somebody who was like um, looking like they were interested in the show. Like you would when you were doing lifeguard looking for drunk people. And then I'd right. be like, Hey, there's one. And then like try to connect with them and like smile at them, but like try to make it look like I was just playing to them and then play to the person next to them. And then pretty soon I would have a whole group of people like watching the show and all the other dancers, no one would be paying attention. And <laughs> I'd be like, have full captivation of everybody. Those were my favorite days dancing was when you could really get people to watch the show. And I mean, even I worked some parties, like especially like the cool people parties where it was like people didn't want to be seen paying attention to the dancers. Like 
those parties were less exciting for me to work. Um, I mean, it was cool See. to like st stand on a box and like watch everybody judge each other and like just kind of see the the workings from above. Yeah. See, I will say in truth, the like greatest thing that like taught me how to perform. So when I started out, I started out performing at open mic nights and straight bars. So it was like, I will say if ever you're a like drag queen musician and you are not competent, I would say start in a straight bar because trust it's it's the challenge of especially as I was telling you before, I make basically electronic music and like you have all these like white guys who are coming in with like their guitars getting ready to play the same like acoustics that's over and over again. I used to sign myself up first. I'd hand the DJ my iPod with like my instrumental tracks on there. And I'd have music thumping in this like tiny little bar and like, and you would get the audience on your side. The owners were always cool with me, except for like one time I had screamed motherfucker into the microphone to like end one of my songs the week before. And then I got told by the owner the week after not to do that. <laughs> and I'm like, that's Sounds not funny. in my set this week. This, that's not my set this week, please. It's like, it's I'm funny sorry. That, that you said everybody would be there with their guitars, like ready to do acoustic. And you're, I haven't heard your music yet, but I can only imagine it's it's more exciting than an acoustic guitar set. Definitely, and it's like, but I always say standing out is truly the best thing you can do. Like everyone who wants to just like blend in, that's boring like being like everybody else they're like it's like seeing all the drag queens who can like sit there and only like lip sync to britney it's like well let me get an instrumental track i can actually sing to britney and like make it sound decent <laughs> well that was the cool thing with the go-go show was that to find people's like full range of talents and to see what else they can do besides your traditional go-go dancing i um, wish that the the show would have had them dancing for longer than like one or two songs because so much of go-go dancing is like the marathon, not the sprint. And right. you'd be up on a box for 30 minutes and like the music changes and you get tired. And so when we originally came up with the show, I said, let's see how long we can make these dancers dance and what they'll do. <laughs> like what are those like survivor kind of challenges Right. where it's like eight hours later, <laughs> they're still dancing. But due to time constraints, we didn't do right. that challenge. Um, but I will say in some ways, like you say that diversity, there's some people who like now like watching their socials, I think that the show didn't necessarily always show them in the best light. Like I would definitely say like I follow Kirby now and like Kirby is definitely like a lot better than was what was shown on the show. And like, well, and that's the thing. Like, when they put a camera on you and they say dance, like, they would even yeah. do it to us as the judges, and they'd be like, dance. I'd be like, uh, uh, uh. And then I think it's also hard when you're dancing. If you have a song with a lot of musicality, you can kind of come up with different ways to express the music. But if you're dancing with, um, with other types of music, that's a little less musicality. 
um, then it's a little bit harder sometimes to get into like all the little details of it if it's not giving you like really thought-provoking stuff. I don't know. Like I know when I'm sitting here editing videos and I'm listening to like YouTube music and all of a sudden I'm like in my seat and I'm like doing the thing and I'm like, uh, 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 and I'm like, that's what's cool with go-go dancing is when you can like the music makes you get more into it. And so when you're just doing one or two songs, sometimes you don't have that time to get into the music. Like, no. Yeah. If that made any sense. <laughs> no, I get, I get what you're saying. Cause it's like going back to my open mic days, I used to only get a chance. Like there were, there were some nights that like the, especially like when they were in between hosts, like they were dead. And I, as I said, I used to go up first and I was the first who's like, keep me on. Like you don't have anybody here. I know I'm only supposed to do three songs. I'll do four and five songs. I don't care. Like you don't have anybody. Keep me on. Like, and that's how I used to be. And it's like, I could have sat there. I could have sat there and done 45 minutes. Like I don't no, I'm going to have to look now. up one of your shows. I'll send you like one of I'll send you like some of my um Twitch streams and like just see cuz like I get into it. <laughs> well, I mean it's like, more exciting if you're into it, if you're present, if you want to be there. I mean even that's what I say about my my fan content I make is I only do stuff I want to do. So somebody commented once and they said, "You actually smile in your videos." And I'm like, yeah, because I'm happy to be here. I'm not doing this because I think this would be good for my business and they have high socials. Like, I'm doing this because I'm a perverted dad who wants to fuck a twink and I have a beautiful twink and now I'm living my best life. <laughs> I'm staying authentic to what I want to do. And um, I've tried to film with people who I had less of a connection with. And after psychotherapy i've realized it's not gonna happen so now when people come and we do collabs i'll tell them when they when we're talking about it i'll be like look just because we're saying we're gonna meet for a collab we both have to want to do it when we get there if the energy is not right if we don't click there's no shame in saying hey this isn't gonna work for me even if you flew to my farm even if i drove to you even if we've been really excited for this collab if, I mean, sex is earned, sex is sacred. Sex isn't something that you do because you want to get a paycheck in my book. Right. A lot of people, I think, see that with the fan content as like, okay, this is my job. I have to do what would be good for the business, this and that. But then I think sometimes it comes across in the videos that there's not that natural chemistry to it. Um, so now I'm back to, like we have to really want this, which makes it more challenging. Um, but I had a guy in Miami once and I told him, I said, Hey, the place I'm staying is dark at this time. I thought it was going to be light later in the day here. Can we do tomorrow at 3 PM rather than 6 PM so we can film with natural light. And then he goes on to Twitter to blast me and says, these guys, Kirk is the word in college bro for you. They'll flake on you. Miami creators beware. These guys are just flakes. And this was before I started to like really be a flake and be like, if we don't click, we're not going to, I'm not going to do it. And he was like trying to like, I don't know, pressure us into 
filming with him through being passive aggressive or aggressive um but i wasn't into it um i'll tell people now if i'm not feeling it i'll be like i'm sorry i'm having a mental health day it's like what everyone loves to say now right and be like i'm just not in the right mental headspace for this thank you no it's like i get that i've done that i've done that with hookups like the last time i tried to do a hookup i was like it was a time i was waiting for my friends with benefits and like i had hours between hand like and the person was just there and i'm like nah i'm like you gotta go bitch i'm not feeling it like like get out of my hotel room like just i'm just yeah because well, when I'm you're not, younger, you think you think you have to do it. You're like they showed up, they don't look like their photos, their energy's all whack, and then you do it, and then afterwards you're like, you need another one to like cleanse your soul from the previous one. So it's better if you can just not have that happen. I mean, yeah. but some people like sex as an escape, and some people like say sex as a connection. And for me, if I'm at a glory hole, it might be more of an escape. Because yeah. you're like putting your dick in a hole or a random dick comes in and you're not really thinking about all the details of the situation. But if they're like in your house or you're in their house and like you have to like look them in the eye and like, I don't know. It seems for me, the, I like the connection more. But call me old fashioned. And it's like for me, like at least the connection is like great. Like I will say this, like, as long as I've been having sex, I was the person who, like, for the longest time could not come from topping at all. That's why I hated doing it. And, like, this weekend, like, my friends with benefits didn't tell me. He just, like, started sucking my dick. And then, like, all of a sudden, he moved it up and, like, sat down on my dick. And then, like, all of a sudden, he got me to come. And I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, I've never experienced this before. And then he kept going, and I'm like, I'm like, I, I'm, I don't think you're gonna get more than one load. And he got like three loads on me. I'm like, wow, you were like, our connection is real, or like you're a magician. It's one of the two. It's like, that is crazy. cool. Yeah, I mean, that sometimes happens at the glory hole. Like you stick your dick in the hole, and you think you're getting a blowjob, and then next thing you know, you're like inside someone's ass, and you're like, did I, did I consent to that? Is that what I signed up for? Like, um, or one time I was on an Atlantis cruise and I was on what's known as Trimix, which is like the injectable on the dick. My dick's just like yeah. full attention. And somebody walks by and is like, oh, I like that. And just put it inside of him. And I'm like, I'm like, I got raped as a top. Like, how did this happen? <laughs> But it was fine. I was at an orgy. Everyone was having sex with everybody. Um, well, at an orgy, but, you can't claim that. Like, <laughs> that's kind of why you're there. Yeah, but you're still like, you could still. I went to a party recently in Europe and they you had someone at the door no. and they were at the door and they were like, okay, um, this is the dress code. It's like fetish or like, what do you have to wear? And they would say, okay, and here's our consent policy. Consent can be verbal, nonverbal. It can be taken away at any time. So it's like just because you're in a dark room where people are having sex, you still have to respect if somebody's giving you a verbal, nonverbal message. And then at the end of the party, 
somebody gave me some stuff that I wasn't expecting and I turned into like a sex monster and I was like reviewing the footage in my head, not the actual footage, just like what happened. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, is that why I was getting like tapped on the head? Like get fucking up here. <laughs> I was like, where they try to take away the consent. And I was like, oh, I'm a fucking monster. Cause I was just so fucked up that I was like, give me the load, give me the dick. Um, and so upon reflection, looking back at the sex party, I was like, hmm, next time if somebody is telling you, hey, I thought they were just like, just kind of, you know, giving me like good job, you know, like <laughs> a good pat on the head. But um, but then when I was like thinking about what they were saying, I was like, hmm, interesting. You can take away consent at any time, this and that. But it's like good to have these conversations so that people yeah. are aware of these things. I remember going to circuit parties when I was um, young and people would just see something, take something. They'd see your ass, slap it, you know, like just think absolutely nothing of doing what they want. So as a gay community, it's kind of refreshing that we're trying to like educate people slowly about what it is to not be a monster at parties. Like even with with go go boys like if you're watching this and you have a dollar hand it to the dancer if the dancer right. puts his hand somewhere then you can respond to where the dancer is guiding you but it's not you put your hand where you want to put it because you have a dollar if you have a 20 dollars maybe you have a little bit more no i'm just kidding yeah that, that, you have a hundred dollars okay fine go for it yeah. no i'm just kidding but I mean, the amount of times people actually, the people with $100 always would just hand it to you because they most of the time were monsters or they had enough money that they didn't want to be taken down for their actions. Yeah. And it's like, it's almost like that justification of, oh, I'm handing them a 20 so I can touch them any way they want. No, like, Like, if somebody's, like, handing me money and then, like, all of a sudden they start shaking their ass on me, maybe I would touch their ass, like, then, because I feel like that's inviting. But it's, like, just grabbing somebody's ass for no reason, like... Or people would grab your dick yeah. like a handshake. Like, they would grab it, like, super hard and be like, that doesn't feel good. And I know people are into different types of sex. Some people like the more, like... Like, one of the guys we collabed with he said, just force me to do anything. I love it. I love being forced. And I was like looking at my husband like, what? And like the harder we'd fuck him, the more he'd be like, yes, yes, this is it. And it'd just be like, okay, well, this is different. Where like, if I'm bottoming, I told one guy, I said, look, you have a huge stick. You have to make me think that you love me. You have to make me think that I'm special that this is like a real connection we have. And he goes, not going to happen. And I was like, well, then you're not fucking me, sir. You're not going to fuck me. I was like, you can take your Dom top attitude and you can fuck the twink over here and we'll fuck them together. But I was like all ready to get fucked by him. But I was like, not really joking. I was like, and when I started doing porn, I wasn't bottoming. And I used yeah. to, I looked at what was popular at the time on like Pornhub and other tube sites. And this kind of like dom top character was popular. And I was like, oh, okay, I could, I could do that. It's not a problem. So I was like pretty, I was a mean dom top. And then once I started bottoming, I was like, oh, you can't just jam it in. 
Like you have no. to like give it a you have to like give it a minute. I think I call myself a former toxic top who's yeah. now been a little bit reformed. Um and I mean if some people though they want they want that like they want it like I remember my husband said he hooked up with this Brazilian and he's like, no lube, stick it in. And my husband's like, What the fuck? Like like what this kid, it's not gonna be good so i don't know i mean everybody that's the great thing with with humans is we're all into different things we all have right. different things that get us off and that make us happy and make us horny and that's why i try not to judge other people's sexual behaviors right. and like because we obviously don't understand it but i will say i have a lot of questions I, yeah. I'm not judging them, but especially with some of the things people on OnlyFans will ask for, like, I mean, I've been asked everything from things that make sense to things that don't make sense. I've not come across somebody who's asked for sounding quite yet. Have you ever done sounding? What is that? It's where you take the, I guess it's like some kind of metal object and you stick it in your urethra. If you go to like a leather store and you start asking questions about the different things or come across these like metal sticks and you'll be like, what is this? And they'll be like, oh, that's for sounding. Um, yeah. See, I think I'm, I'm woman. I'm pretty vanilla. Well, I would say I'm pretty vanilla. It's a, although I am the person who's like very much, as I say, since I primarily bought them, I have one simple rule, which is if you're not eating my ass before you're fucking me, you're not fucking me. Like that's literally just how I am, and I've had plenty of guys who are like, "I think your ass is so hot, but I don't want to eat it." And I'm like, "Well, then get you a friend who can." Yeah, I think <laughs> when I started doing um, porn, I wasn't ever into rimming. Yeah, and I was into topping, so I've fucked a lot of guys and not eating their ass first. And now I'm like, now that I bought them, I'm like, no, you have to eat the ass. You have to like get the hole ready like but i don't know you you live and learn um i i used to not be into like armpits feet and then different people on only fans and just for fans would be like can you smell their armpit for me and i'd be like and i'd be like oh that wasn't bad that was interesting and so now um or even feet too like i remember i'd be like feet what am i supposed to do with feet Am I supposed to like, and now, um, now I'm kind of turned into a, not foot fetish page, but I call it just normal decency of like, if, if you're fucking someone in the ass and your dick is above a certain size and their foot's there, maybe if you suck on their toes, they'll forget about taking the big dick in their ass and I actually relax. Like maybe if you can give them pleasure other places, they'll enjoy it. Um, and then some people say they don't like feet, but then they like eating ass. And I'm like, I, I don't know what to tell you. Like feet can be clean and ass can be clean. Like I understand if you have like dirty feet or a dirty ass, then it doesn't seem appealing. But I don't know. Some people are so against against feet. I'm like, what did feet do to you? <laughs> See, I love I love when guys like, say one of the things that i hear people say a lot is like they're like they'll eat ass as long as it's like clean and out of the shower i'm like 
I'm gonna shower before we fuck. Like, I feel like this is like common sense type stuff. The only time I didn't was when a guy specifically asked me not to. <laughs> and uh, and I'm like I'm something like, okay. for everybody. Something for everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. People will be like asking very strange graphic requests that I'm like I'm only gonna do things that I feel comfortable with. Um, there was one guy I met and he, he had a, like a, a fetish page for his, his fan content and he was just farting and it was just a farting fetish page. And I'm like, I'm working way too hard. You just be farting and then that's it. Um, so I don't know something for everybody. And that's the thing with like, with me, like I love a cute twink. I love fresh energy, like where they're like happy. I like when they can stay rock hard for like hours. I find that really amusing where like if you have sex with people over a certain age, sometimes they're like, okay, let me get my dick hard. Okay, hold on just a minute. And like with a twink though, I've never had them be like, let me get my dick hard. Like it comes out hard and stays hard the whole fucking time. Um, so I don't know. I know. I know not every everybody loves twinks, but I say that if you're going to have sex with a twink, it's like camping. You need to leave them better than when you found them. Aww. I mean... See, I, will, I will say, in terms of, like, that getting hard thing, I don't know, because I hear people at, like... I heard somebody once at 25 saying they're like, Oh yeah, it's struggling. I sometimes struggle to like get it up, and I'm thinking like I'm almost thirty, and I have no problem getting it up at all. Like, it's definitely like, hard when you're doing videos sometimes when you're trying yeah. to produce and direct and right. deal with the model that you may or may not be into, or like things start going like weird during the shoot. Um, it's sometimes like a head game. So some of the guys will do trimix, which just keeps the dick rock hard. You could like watch a school bus get hit by a semi and like, <laughs> like there's nothing that would take it down. Maybe not like, but yeah, there's like, I mean, you could be at your, like your own family's funeral and still be rock hard. Um, it's really, it's really crazy. I don't know why you would be hard in either of those situations, but if you did, <laughs> if you were like, if you were hard already, and then that situation presented itself. Yeah. Um. Well, no, so, I could, I could see because some people. Well, I mean, some people have like a dead person fetish, like so. Like, I could see why if you had that, you could be rock hard at a funeral. I mean, like, my mom always told me that that was a thing. They're gonna kill you. That's what they want to do. That's what their their goal is, is to find people like you and kill them and then have sex with their corpse. Um, <laughs> I, as I said, that's the thing. Like, my friend just asked me, he's like, what's the freakiest thing that you've ever seen? Like, or the freakiest thing you've ever heard of in terms of porn? I'm like, murder porn. Like, like, I don't get how it's a thing. And it's like, I know it's definitely something that like some people are into, but like, I'm thinking so, my first thought is like some of that's got to be staged because there's no way that people are actually like going into the like dark web and watching people actually get murdered. Like snuff film? Thinking, yeah. But then I'm thinking I'm like of course there are probably sick people out there who are literally like going into the like dark 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 web and watching people get murdered and like jerking there's off. There's a 
there's a gay independent movie that my friend was in called pornography a thriller and there is some talks of snuff films and stuff like that i can't remember exactly what it's about it was very abstract movie but he was in it so i went and watched it a couple times at film festivals and i was like wow this is some weird shit um but yeah no i don't i don't understand i mean but i always say too like you want to save some things for each decade maybe not stuff stuff porn but um so like in my 40s i was like thinking i was like well maybe fisting for the 40s maybe water sports for the 50s you know like just so every decade introduce like a new concept so i saved bottoming for my 30s because i feel like if you do everything at once then it's like well what do you have to look forward to See, I don't know. Fist, fisting is not something that like it's something like I'm really, really, really tight. So like the idea of like fisting to me sounds crazy. I I don't I don't have I'm only in my 30s, so I haven't got to the 40s, 50 40s fisting era yet. Um, but I will say like when I'm on a gay cruise and you like walk past someone's door and you just hear somebody like absolutely like moaning, you're like, okay, they're getting fisted. And then I asked somebody, I was like, they had these like big dildos and they were like, we're going to do huge dildo play. And I was like, what's the appeal of all this? And then they said, you hear that at the door? And it was just some, oh, oh. and I was like, like that. And I'm like, oh, I get it. Like when, when the dick's just not big enough, when they just need more, um, I don't know. See, there are people like, I've, I watched, like, I wasn't, like, intentionally looking for this, but, like, I saw somebody take a traffic cone at one point, and I'm, like, I'm, like, this is, like, we've officially gone too far. Like, how on earth does that feel good at all? Like, <laughs> but, as you said, some people are into that. Like, Well, if I was with somebody and they were getting fisted or I was fisting someone and the rosebud popped out, um, I remember someone on Twitter said, <laughs> Somebody then tried to call like nine one one, like we have an emergency. What happened? And they were like, "No, no, it just pops back in." But if I wouldn't have seen that post, I'd have been like, "This is not good. This is not. This is. This looks like something. Something uh, happened here, buddy." Um, so I don't know. I'm not. I'm not saying that I'm going to get into fisting in my forties, but you well, never okay. know. I'm assuming, okay, so have you ever done it? Okay. You've never done it on either end then, right? You've never, like, given or received? Done. Yeah. I was on a on a gay cruise once, and this guy had his hand in, like, two different bottoms. It's like the chariot riding. And and they were the bottoms were both, like, so what are you going to do later? Are you going to go to, like, go into port tomorrow? And it was just the most casual, casual thing. And I was just like wow wow they have fists up their ass and they're like talking about an excursion tomorrow um i mean gay cruises are wild <laughs> i've i've heard stuff like i haven't like i've heard like my favorite is like when i hear kathy griffin talk about gay cruises and i'm like i'm like she must be exaggerating and i'm thinking i'm like no she's not like <laughs> No, it's 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 more crazy than you could possibly imagine. And I mean it depends on which ship you go on. Like different times of year you have more 
you have younger crowds or older crowds or crowds that like to have more fun or like more reserved crowds. Um, some of the cruises in Europe, they have like dark rooms on the ship. They have slings up on the deck, but then the American cruises is more of like um, how American culture is where it's like, no, 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 we're not having sex, but then they're all having sex. But like the vibe is like, you don't fuck like everywhere all the time. Um, Cause the cruise companies, they all have different relationships with the cruise lines. So some of them right. are like, we were an LGBT focused group. And then other ones are like, we're a gay circuit party on sea. And so the gay circuit party on sea one, they kind of treat everybody like, well, a gay circuit party on sea. And they tell people like, if you have a medical emergency from doing drugs, you'll be kicked off the ship. If they see you doing drugs, you'll be kicked off the ship. Where the one that's like more focused for LGBTQ, the guy also told them, he said, hey, like these LGBTQ people spend a lot of money. So we'll make your ship a lot of money. So then they're more willing to work with the community because they're making a lot of money. Z if that makes sense without saying too much. <laughs> I and there's also like the one thing that I do know is that like if you said there are the gay parties were like or the gay cruises that are like for partying, and then like I know there are family family LGBT cruises where like people are expected to behave. And I heard a story of like the comedian aunt, how he like hooked up one time on like one of the cruises that was like a family cruise. And like Rosie O'Donnell, the host heard about it. And she was like disgusted by what he said was going on. And I'm like, I'm like, know your time and place, bitch. Like seriously. Yeah, no, I have no interest on going on a gay family cruise. That sounds like an absolute nightmare to me. I, I, I don't think most. I would say I don't think most content creators would find that like a fun sort of like atmosphere. Well, also, also, I wouldn't find families fun either. Like, well, I did go on a I did go on a straight cruise once, and it was a transatlantic cruise from Barcelona to New York, and they had like a little gay meetup on the ship and. You'd meet all the different gay people and that was kind of fun but then what was really interesting we were sitting at dinner and i was like this boy and his mom sitting next to us and the boy was like wearing a scarf and my husband's like i think he texted me and he's like this one's gay and i was like he's with his mom like i'm not i'm not engaging like this is not a thing to do <laughs> and then the mom like turns to us halfway and goes so hey guys where are you from and starts talking to us and she goes, my son just turned 18. And I was like, and, um, and so then the mom told the son that he should hang out with us because we lived in Los Angeles. And you never know where you need to have friends. So it turned into, um, well, turned into a really fun night at the nightclub. And then we went and got pizza afterwards. And he was like wearing like it was like the formal night. So he had his like formal clothes like half on and he had like come in his hair. And um and the other guys on the ship, the other gay guys, they saw they saw the three of us and then they were like, they fucked him. They fucked the 18-year-old. Can you believe these perverts fucked the 18-year-old? And so they started talking shit. Some of the jealous ones told the boy, they said, these guys are predators, like these guys have STDs, like STIs, sorry. 
um, this is not good for you. And so then he came up to us and was like, what did you tell everybody? And I'm like, we didn't tell them anything. You had come in your hair, your clothes were unbuttoned. We had just taken showers. <laughs> like people are dumb. But then he, um, there was like a 21 year old German guy on the ship, another gay. And so then he was hooking up with the German guy and the German guy gave him a huge hickey on his neck. And then everybody thought that we had given this boy this huge hickey. I don't know if his mom thought that too. Um, <laughs> because then the mom was like a little bit less excited to see us, but we like would run into her on the ship. But then to make the story more complicated later, the boy told me uh, one New Year's, he was like drunk when he was in college and he messaged me and he's like, I just wanted to tell you, you reminded me of my, my old stepfather. And I just thought it was so hot. <laughs> I was like, excuse me, what? And so then I was like, is this the reason the mom was talking to me? It was like, she's like, hey, my ex, like, how's it going? I don't know. It was super weird. But it did make the straight cruise experience more manageable. Because otherwise, it's just like a bunch of like old people on oxygen. But um, yeah, totally random. But that was my funny story from the straight cruise I went on once. Yeah, see, I have I have not been on a cruise since I was like a kid, and it was like a Disney cruise. So like, I don't know. I haven't thought about a cruise. That's something I might do. Yeah, now that you're putting the idea in my head, I might think about it. But it's like, when they leave from Florida, there's a couple different options. Um, the yeah. one in January on the big ship has like 5,500 people, um, 25, 70% of them are 25 to 45. So it's really like a floating bathhouse at sea. There's literally all body types, all different levels of people having fun or not so much having fun. Um, it's like a small city where if you have 5,000 people in a city, you have some people that want to be at the after party until 8 a.m., and then some people who get up at 6 a.m. and didn't go to the party at all. So there's really the yeah. full spectrum. Um, but they'll always be there for you. So when you're yeah. ready, they are like kind of daunting because everybody looks like so good. And like everyone's like fashion is on point and everybody's been taking care of themselves, getting ready. They got the fresh Botox. They got the freezing <laughs> the fat away. They got the the new hair hair done and so i don't know it's it's a little bit high pressure at times um but it's also it's, the best part is you get to meet people from all over the world and yeah i've i have friends that i wouldn't have normally had um from all different categories my favorite right. cruise cruise friends are my 60 50 60 year old cruise friends they're like so much fun because they like to go and have fun and be totally wild. And um, it's, and even on a cruise, like I love twinks, but I've been known to bottom for the granddads on the cruise. I don't know. I'm like twinks or grandpas. Those are the, those are the two categories. Like I just hate when I hook up with somebody who's like my age and like, like we both like look at each other, like, okay, are you going to do it? Are you going to suck me off? Like, like I was at a gay bathhouse and I go in with some guy who was like like mid-level hot, similar to me at times. And yeah. he, we were just looking at each other like, 
you're going to worship me, right? No, you're going to worship me, right? And I was like, no, see, this is why it's better when you can be the pretty one or you can be the the one in control, like, or you can be yeah. the one who's, I don't know, different, different things. I, I don't know if that made any sense, but. Right. I mean, yeah, it's, that is a weird, I would say the thing with me about that is like, it would be like going to those things and like going out as me. Cause like a lot of times I would say like most times I go out and drag simply because of the fact that I'm a narcissist and I want people to pay attention to me, but it's like, as I say, I'm self-aware. So it's like when I was out in Wilton the first time I had mainly been doing this in my house. So like I hadn't been out in public in a while and like, I was just like walking down um, the main stretch of road in Wilton. Like people were like, like paying attention to me, and everybody's like, "Ooh, girl, yes, work." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I forgot that this happens to me when I go out in public." Like, well, the the thing on the cruise is that they have different yeah. themed parties. So you have lots of people who are wearing different, different, different looks, and there'll be an after party. People will change for the after party. Um, I'm not really good at looking anything different than this. So I'm usually pretty fucking basic. Um, so if you do see me on a gay cruise and I do look basic, not you, but these people who like to come yeah. up to you and be like, this is what you're wearing. And it's like, yeah, I'm basic as fuck sometimes. Like, just let me be, yeah. let me just have the dick out and like, just provide that service. Like I can't provide like full pageantry and sex monster like let me just do sex monster like there's something we can all contribute to and plus that's, what, that's what they want anyway they're not going to say that that's what they want and then my favorite thing on a gay cruise is um like on like the white party day usually i'll do trimix so my dick stays like rock hard and then i'll go around with like glow sticks and then make them into a ring and then have people do glow stick like ring toss on my dick uh, and I go up to this one guy and I was like, do you want to play ring toss? And like, we're in the hallway and he's like yeah. throwing the ring toss and we walk away and my friend is like, that's the celebrity guest. And I was like, oh, I was like, I had no idea who it was, but it was like, I, I'm, I, I don't want to say who it was, but very famous person that I was like, did he just play ring toss on my dick? That's fun. And then what you do is go to people at the party and then be like, do you want to play ring toss? And then when they get it on, you'd be like, winner, yeah. And then they'd be like having like a lot of fun. So stupid. But. See, with you saying that celebrity thing, that's the one thing that I will point out. Because even like there are times like I'm watching, like I've watched like Canada's Drag Race and they say like this, guess this is a celebrity judge. I'm like, who the fuck is this person? Like, I've never heard of them. Like, they might be a celebrity in Canada, but they haven't reached the rest of the world. Like, this was like an Emmy, Tony, Grammy winner. <laughs> so, I mean, it's pretty pretty famous. But yeah, no, I don't watch movies. I don't really watch TV shows. So yeah. unless they're like on some trash reality television show that I happen to watch possibly <laughs> 10 years ago, I'm really unaware. Um of who who the different people are. I was living in Los Angeles. People would be like, "Can you believe we sat next to this person?" And I'd be like, "I 
don't know who that is. They're like from this show, and I'm like, I don't watch the show. So that's the, that's another thing that I think like about LA culture. Again, this is me observing it from the outside. It's like you've been on one reality show, and like all of a sudden you're supposed to be like famous. It's like you're on a show on Al TV that like I love Al TV, but like hardly anybody watches this stuff. It's like nobody knows who you are. Like, well, that is the weird thing though about doing porn and like having it be consumed by a lot of people is not a lot of people think that I'm like popular or well-known, but the people who like really love the videos, sometimes they have like a visceral reaction where they're like, yeah, oh my God. And I'm just like, I'm just a regular person. Like I just said some fucking weird shit and some porn videos for different strange studios, like say uncle and Cardinal media and you're a pervert and you just fucking beat off to it a million times. And now you think that I'm like the second coming of gay Jesus. And or like what else I've I've experienced is people come up and then they want to take a picture, but they don't want to inconvenience you. So they come up and they say, hey, can I get a photo with you? And then you say, yeah. And then you take the picture and like, so where are you from? How's your day going? And then they just run away because they don't want to inconvenience you and they don't know what to say. So like, I think that's why people who are actually famous and actually yeah. have some kind of celebrity think that it's kind of an inconvenience sometimes because people don't want to actually have that connection because they assume that you don't give a shit about them. But in reality, I'm like, like, I like attention. And if you, if you think I'm amazing, like feed it to me. Tell, me, tell me everything. Tell me why I'm amazing. Tell me, tell me about this. Tell me about that. So just to have them like come and run and leave, it's like, it's just like they're using you for a picture, which is like fine. But, um, see, I would, I used to be one of those people, but it's like now from doing this, like I get, to, I have gotten to know people. So it's like, I feel like if I were to see somebody like, like you, I would say like hi and whatever. Cause it's like, I've done this enough that like, oh my God, like feeling of like just being in shock. I don't feel that anymore. I used to cause I actually told, um, who was it? I told Arise Wanzer, who I've interviewed on here, a story about meeting Adore Delano and literally like not being able to like say anything. And it's like she was she was asking me, she's like, Is there anything you want to say? And like I just like froze. Like I didn't know what to say. Like Well, that's I went to this uh music producer conference in Amsterdam, Amsterdam dance event. And at the end, you could sometimes talk to the people giving the lectures who are these like famous DJs. And I totally fangirl couldn't say a fucking word. Like, I just wanted to say, uh, and I was like, you like pull your life together, man. To myself, I'm like, yeah, you can't even like talk to these people. Like, these are just people. But like, I don't know. I think it is cool when you can meet people who you like really have nothing to say, and you're just fucking gagged. Like, literally, like, oh, I can't talk. I'm so excited. I can't. I forget how to say words yeah who would who would you want to meet that you would be like that like who's someone that if you saw them you'd be totally gagged oh this one's definitely easy for me that would definitely be lady gaga like she is 
like my one of my biggest musical inspirations and like yeah when i was go-go dancing and i think 2000 what year was it 2008 maybe 2009 um she worked a gay pride party that i did and this was when just dance was like first making the rounds and i had no idea who this who who lady yaga was i was working i was like a little fucked up i needed water i had danced way too hard and i was just trying to get to the changing room to get my water because i was felt like i was gonna die if i didn't get water and they're doing this like prayer circle and i was like excuse me beep 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 excuse me coming through beep beep and i totally like bust through the prayer circle and then it was lady gaga and i looked back at it years later and i'm like you busted through lady gaga's prayer circle you fucking monster like But you never know, like who people are going to become, and like who who the next Lady Gaga is going to be, who the next Will and the next Detox. Um, so I think it's always good to be kind to everybody. I mean, that's what I do too with content creators online. Is I treat everybody like they could be some huge star next, right. even if they don't have a big following now. They have a good attitude and they play their cards right. Like, why not? Um, I mean. I totally get that. That's why, like, I would say in general, as I say, I'm always, like, as I always tell people, I'm, like, I'm not Ellen. Like, I'm, like, I'm not that, like, fake person who's, like, nice to the guests on camera. And then, like, off camera, I'm, like, rude to them. Like, as I always say, I'm the re- I'm the same person in front of the camera as I am behind the camera. So, it's, like, I do that because... First of all, I'm just starting out. It's not like I have a huge following. I have a, I'm starting to get like a decent following, but I don't have a huge following. So it's like I try and like treat people with respect, so that way I can get people to like theoretically come back, especially like interesting people. I can get to come back like two, three times, and like when I hit them up, they're gonna say yes because like. If you're nice to somebody, chances are they're gonna to want to do things with you again. That's at least how I just view it. Yeah, totally. Yep. So okay. Now to get back to the questions, I'm gonna skip some of these. So, so what was it like working on Hey Queen? It was fun. We were talking about being gagged by some of the people, like giving RuPaul a lap dance was definitely like one of the moments where I was like, am I allowed to touch them? How far do I have to be? Are they consenting to me shaking my balls in their face? Like, you know, just these like different questions that I normally wouldn't be asking myself. So I was kind of like standoffish. Uh, One of my favorite parts of working on Hey Queen was um, when I did the lap dance for Alaska Thunderfuck. And she was like wearing like not garbage bags, but some kind of like tour plastic moment and um, like the long nails. And then at the end of the show, she was like, can you drive me home? And I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. I have my car here. She like gets in my little Ford Fiesta at the time and is all like with all this like big dress. And then she's like, can you take me to Chipotle? And I was like, okay. So we pull up to Chipotle. I said, did you do like mobile order? I'll just go run in and grab it for you. She's like, no, I'm going in. And I'm like sitting in the car. 
and she's like there with the long nails like can i have some some this can i have some of this and i was just like this is your friend who you drove here like just watching everybody in the hollywood chipotle like who is this like who's this person putting on a performance um yeah just because like you'd think that you'd come do the gig and then get like into some like more approachable wear Alaska was like, like I don't know why, why she was so wearing the um, the look. I mean, I guess it was a, a lot to put on, a lot to take off, and she looked great. I mean, I don't blame her for going out in it, but um, it was a memorable moment from oh, the show. Well, this is the thing. Like, I don't ever like go out in full looks, but like when I'm like. I usually wear like body suits when I go out, but like there'll be plenty of times where I'll like go to like a Wawa in like my body suit. I'll still have my fishnets on, like my makeup's still like on my face, and like the only thing removed is like my wig and my wig cap. So it's like I would totally do that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, and like Lady Red yeah. would always, Lady Red was a drag queen 24 hours a day. Yeah. So I mean, she was constantly like, like I'm going to the grocery store. Okay, take me an hour. I'm putting my makeup now. You know, <laughs> like uh, I I have major respect for people that do drag, um, just for the amount of time and effort it takes to do the makeup. Um, I I am not that. I don't have that much time to like. Oh, well, I'm not that artistic, or I have that much like focused energy to like do self care like that to like elevate my look. Um, I could probably use some makeup to elevate my look, but um, it definitely is such a journey. I mean, you look great. I can only imagine. Thank you. I will say the easiest thing for me and what I like is that very early on, like, so I don't have these glasses, but I have, like, a pair of Ray-Bans that were my mom's that, like, as as i said she passed when i was 18 so she never got a chance to see me perform so it's like now I'll, i just like include it as part of my like stage look and like it's great because like i don't know how to do eyes so like what usually will take a, an average drag queen like two to four hours to like get ready it takes me half an hour to get ready because i don't have to worry about eyes all i have to do is like worry about putting makeup on like this part of my face and like above so it's actually really easy yeah, sorry to hear about your mom. My mom died um, before I started doing porn. Um, yeah. She was one of the, her death was one of the reasons I got into porn. I was 31. And she, when I was, when I was going to UC Berkeley, I just got accepted and I was going to do, um, I was going to do Sean Cody or Falcon. And I sent in some audition tapes and, and then I mistakenly uploaded the video from the family computer and I don't know how, but somehow my dad found the tape. And so it was like, I wasn't out to them. And they were like, come home from work. We need you to tell us who you are. And I was like, no, no, I'm not gay. I was just going to do gay porn because I thought it seemed like a good business opportunity. <laughs> like, this is it. And so they were like, hey, you're going to UC Berkeley. Like, we're helping pay for your school. Like, can you please not do porn while you're in school? And I was like, okay, that's fine. I, I never got told not to do it. So I didn't think I was doing anything wrong right. and not that doing porn is wrong, but from their, from their viewpoint, they weren't, and this was before prep. So this was like bareback porn before prep, which 
Right. I don't see how that's a good idea looking back, how they convince people to take that risk. Um, but, and if I would have done porn at that time, people weren't doing fan site content. So the ways people were making money in the industry was largely through other means, through meeting people, through selling their body, through taking high profile clients, et cetera, where now people that are working in the industry don't have to do those things. They can, if they want to, in some jurisdictions where it's legal, but (laughs) most of them can just do fan site content and make enough money to not have to put themselves in positions where the person might kill them. So I still hear my mom. Um, (laughs) But, uh, so I was glad that, but when my mom died, I wasn't glad that happened, but I did think to myself, I said, okay, if we're all going to die, you might as well do what you want to do and live your life unapologetically the way you want to live it. Cause when it's all said and done, it's not going to really, it's not going to matter. Like if this one person thought that what you were doing didn't align with their vision of the world, like fuck them, you're dead. Like, They're not yeah. going to be like, oh, we're so we're so upset with, with these decisions. It's like, no, just live your life for you. And if people don't like it and don't want to support you, they don't have to pay attention. So, But isn't it, okay, you can correct me if I'm wrong about this. Don't they test you before? You yeah, but they're not, they're not locking you in a room. Like they test you a week before. Oh, and then yeah, you're, yeah. you're not supposed to, you're supposed to behave. And then. Of course, I've always followed these protocol, but <laughs> sometimes, sometimes if you know you load grinder and that fantasy dicks there or that fantasy football quarterback from the local NFL team hits you up, I don't know, just some random shit. Like people, people make mistakes. People are selfish monsters. People don't give a shit about your sexual health. Um, yeah, people do what they want to do. And I'm not saying that happens all the time. Of course, the true professionals would say they always are really sticking to it. And that's how it's supposed to be. But you're working with people from all walks of life. And sometimes people don't come from the most sound backgrounds. Sometimes people don't have their lives together. Sometimes people have substance abuse issues. Sometimes people need to make money selling their bodies or doing collabs so it's not practical to lock yourself in the basement for a week waiting for your low pain scene you know like i didn't i well if you say it's a week that sounds like crazy but like i understand why they probably have to make it a week it's probably something having to like make sure you test it and like you sign contracts and all that right yeah, I mean, and some studios do it differently. Um, there's no, there's nothing really signed. It's all, it's all just like, okay, we'll book you for this date, show up. And then one of the shady things about porn is that sometimes if you show up for a scene and then something was to happen and they weren't able to finish filming the scene, you don't get the amount of money that you said you were going to get. They have like, uh, sorry, it didn't work out let's pay you like 20% of what you thought you were going to get paid. And some Damn. studios are different. This isn't like across the board, but yeah. this was, I was producing for one of those studios and 
some of the scenes got delayed due to like models flying out and we uh, models weren't tested in time. So we had to wait on some testing and stuff like this. And then at the end of the day, they were like, okay, we're, we'll pay the models this time, but usually we wouldn't pay them because you didn't as the producer turn in the required amount of scenes. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not going to be the person telling people that they're only getting 20% of their pay because of things outside of their control. Or if the partner like can't perform, like if the bottom can't bottom or the top does the trimix and shoots it in a vein and now his dick's purple or something, then it doesn't make sense that the people would have taken off time from their normal job or not taken other gigs to put themselves. And there's nothing like, there's no signed contracts. There's no, I mean, some people have agents and maybe they could work these things out, but I said, I'm not going to be the one who is passing on the bearer of this bad news to these people. Like, that's not how that's not how you treat people. And I always try to encourage the studios to treat people like gold and that they'll always want to work for you. I mean, I think that in any in any situation, even with how clubs used to treat go-go boys, it's like if you treat them like they're disposable and it doesn't matter, and or if you treat them like stars and like pay them the best you can and like make them feel like they're part of the experience and like that they're talent and not trash, then they'll want to be there forever. There's one promoter in Los Angeles named Mario Diaz, and he always treated everybody great. I worked for him for 13 years at his party called Big Fat Dick in Los Angeles. And it was the last gig that I was still taking when I was in Los Angeles because he always treated us right. He always paid us adequately. He always treated us like stars. He was just like, solid solid guy and um so that was that was one of my favorite parts was when we could work for people like that who were just like really genuinely nice and yeah it's just the craziest thing that i see is like i've seen like a promoter in like the fort lauderdale area have to say like and I don't know, maybe this is just me being a professional. If they have to say, like, it's like, if you don't show up, you're not going to get booked again. And it's like, why would you agree to do a gig and, like, without, like, any notice to the person just not show up? Like, to me, that seems crazy. But I guess some people, as I say, I was brought up through the, like, chorus the like choir training of how you do things where it's like it's the very simple of if you're early you're on time if you're on time you're late if you're late don't bother showing up at all like that's something that was drilled into my head at like the age of 14 so it's like that's why i am very much the professional person of like if i say i'm gonna be somewhere i'm gonna be somewhere at this time and if i'm gonna be late i'm gonna tell you why like that's just yeah always yeah that was how i was able to have a long running career in los angeles was from showing up on time doing the job being professional um i didn't realize when i first started working in the gay world that smiling to people meant that you wanted to have sex with them and that it was like cruising and like i thought it was just customer service Um, oh hi rosie 
it's, it's her dinner time. So. Yeah. Okay. What are yeah, you doing? No. Okay, I'll I'll just okay. I'll just ask you a few questions because I know we've gone a long time. So have you agreed with both winners of Gogo for the gold? Or is there someone that you wish had won instead of one of the two winners? Um I loved Rico. He was my favorite from season one. Um I thought he was just next level talent. Season two, I really love Johnny Moonman. Um, he's he's a Portland dancer. He's I'm like a little bit of a biased judge because we are friends here in Portland. But right. I thought he was like the most real. Like a lot of people from Los Angeles are worried about how they look in like in the media, and they're like kind of have their personalities crafted to how they want to appear. And Johnny was just a real deal, not giving a shit, saying whatever he wanted to say, not worried about how it was going to make him look. And um, I I love that for him. I love that he was able to just yeah. be his authentic self. I also thought he's a, he's a great dancer. He puts in a lot of work. Um, Laszlo was also really good. So I mean, it was a it was a good top top three, top four. Um, I also thought that um, Ken was a really good dancer. And. Um, I was surprised that he wasn't, he didn't make it to the finals um, from season one, but AJ was, AJ was really good. I mean, they were all really good. That was the thing that I didn't expect when we made the show. I thought we would get a lot of guys that were like boring and like not that great. And it would be easy to eliminate them, but like they all brought it. And a lot of them are like professional dancers. They have the skills, they have the tricks, they have, all the things um but um but yeah rico for me was was just amazing like even him coming out with like the blood and like when he did when he had like the blood packs and he was like blood tipping everywhere i was just like this is it this is why we watch this shit (laughs) um just like the unexpected um and Steven from season two was really good too. Um, uh, America's sweetheart can't can't deny that. Yeah. Z, I will say I kind of agree with the winner from season season one. I do agree. Rico was amazing. I I admitted it on here who I wanted to win from season two. I want I wanted Kirby to win, but like that's just because I'm biased because. Once I found out that like Kirby was like a musician, and then like I saw that's where I'm like, and, like Kirby can sing. I'm like, bitch, work. Like that's why that music video episode is like one of my favorite episodes of the whole show. Hmm. Yeah, Kirby was great. Yeah, yeah, I love the the different variety of talent we had because when I first started go go dancing, it was like West Hollywood was it was a very specific like muscly not so much variety everybody was pretty mask it wasn't like the full spectrum of what it is to be a queer in america or in the world and so i think the show did a good job of having a lot of representation we did get some messages that were like you needed more representation and it's like do you know how hard it is to cast a show in like a week you get you 
with local talent because we didn't have a national casting. We had some people fly in, but it wasn't the kind of show where we like toured around and had open casting calls and were able to offer people flights and hotel accommodation. Right. It was like, you have to get here. You have to be willing to do it for this amount of work of of money which for reality tv it's like not that much money so to have 10 days off of work and be local and be able to get yourself like it's a lot of different things we're asking and then for us to cast the show in 10 days to then try to find all these people in all these different categories um to try to make the show very inclusive was also challenging um but i thought yeah, I love the variety we had. I wish um, we could do it again so we could have even more variety. I love Drag Race right now too. Drag Race has um, a bunch of different different types of people on the show that in season, well, the early seasons would have not been included necessarily. Like I remember Lady Red was like, I'm not sure if I could make it on Drag Race because I live my life as a full-time drag queen. And I don't have the the change in appearance from right. being in drag and being out of drag. Like I'm always in drag. And now it's become very clear that you can do whatever you want on Drag Race as long as right. you put on a good show. Like it's about including people, not excluding people due to preconceived notions of what it means to do something. Right. And But I will say you do have to be kind of polish on drag race now which is why i honestly would never audition for it because like i i feel i'm a little too rough around the edges like if i had gone to like season like three or four i probably would have made it but like now they expect you to be like so and they're spending so much money on their looks yeah like they're they're putting up investments to in order to to be on the show, they're spending thousands and thousands of dollars on their looks. I think the whole the whole thing is um, is cool to watch and how it's developed over the years. And that's what I hope is that we can do more go-go for the gold so we can still get that development and then see where, where the show will end up. Um, yeah. So if you're listening to this, write to your local Out TV correspondent and ask for more of go go for the gold because we'd love to give it i haven't thought about um what it would be like if we switched things around with go go for the gold and we had like jojo hosted um which i thought jojo was such a good judge and i could see him as a great host and maybe not for go go for the gold but i'd love to see jojo host another show um because i thought of all the the judges he was the one like he hosts a party and in West Hollywood and he's like so good on the mic. Um, And Teddy bear is another one who always brought great looks for the show and really put in the most, like we didn't have any budget for our go-go looks. We didn't have costuming telling us what to wear. I mean, I looked at some of the shit I wore and I was like, not the most, as I said, I'm not a costume gay. And it definitely, definitely showed like, I used to just dance and a baseball hat and boxers and let my dick do some animatronics <laughs> and smile and then fucking make it happen. Um, yeah. 
which of course on TV, we couldn't have my dick. Like I used to do this thing where I'd be like fishing and I'd be like fishing pole and then and my dick would be like, and then I would take a dollar bill and the dollar bill would fall down and I would take my dick and pop it up and catch the dollar bill on my dick. And then I would take my dick and then flip it up and catch the money in my waistband. Um, these are some of the, the dick tricks that I was known for. Work. All right. So, okay. I'll do two more. So what are your thoughts on how the LGBT community is being treated today? Um, I think the LGBT community is becoming more like being treated by who? Being treated by people that hate the LGBT community or people that are in the LGBT community? I would say in general. In general. Um, I think that being gay historically has been, um, has not been something that's been widely accepted for a long time. Like right. one of the one of the things I learned was like being gay in England in like the early 1900s was illegal. And I took a class about subcultures and underworlds. And one of the, the things we had we had to read was about being gay in England. And it was saying that the police officers would jerk off in the bathroom and then the gay guys would come in and start jerking off with them. But then the and then they would arrest them. But the court ruled that it was illegal for the police officers to put themselves in a gay situation, not the entrapment. And I just thought it was so fascinating. I was like, this is fucked up. Like, not that you can't like entrap people, but like that the police officers yeah. had to act gay and that that's why it was illegal. So I think the, the idea that we have unlimited freedom and to do what we want is, is short-sighted. I think that we we have a really good thing going for us right now in America, in Europe, in other places, but there's a lot of places in the world where they don't like gay people. Exactly. And so I always, I always like to know where we're, where we are and what the local laws are, what the local norms are. Um, sometimes on these gay cruises, we go to places like we went to Turkey where like being gay is like kind of okay, but like not really. And right. so just like, just paying attention because um, you don't want to find yourself living your life with your partner and then getting yourself arrested and having some issues, like especially in the Middle East or, um, and I, I don't like to really go to places where being gay is illegal, even places where right. they say, Oh, it's not a problem. Like Indonesia, I believe. Um, they have some issues around being gay, but then in Bali, it's totally gay friendly. There's not a problem. I mean, same with Dubai. I've heard if you yeah. go to the city, it's like, it's really not an issue if they want tourist money, but I don't know. I think there's a lot of places you can give your money. So why give them to places where it's not a hundred percent accepted? Um, which is kind of annoying. Like I went to, I went to Moscow and I went to St. Petersburg when I lived in Eastern Europe and I find Russians sexy, like the yeah, Russian ballet dancers. Right. And but now it's like, do I want to go to Russia and give them my money? No. Like, no, yeah. Like that's not on my top of my list. So I think it's I think we have a lot of hope, but I think we need to keep fighting the good fight um and paying attention to how people are being treated. Um I have in my family, I have 
my nephew's trans so like the trans trans issues and how it is to be accepted as a younger person um, when you do have a different identity than what you were born with are important to me and um, I think a lot of the politics are scared of letting younger people live the life they want to live and they're trying to make them live by their set of older values and i think that's a little fucked up so hopefully if we the younger people keep expressing our voices and voting for people we believe in we can enact the same change that was given to us for our being able to have gay marriage and to be living our authentic life as it would be to support the trans community as well yeah i would definitely say like i totally agree with that like i would say in america overall like as you said america europe it's probably as good as it's gonna get overall but as you said definitely in like other countries the fight still has to happen so like that's something that we totally need to do even in egypt they were having a pop-up on grinder that said egyptian authorities are using grinder to arrest gay men including arresting gay men on grinder then taking their phone and messaging people that they had hooked up with to then arrest them so be careful of who you're messaging on grinder it was like something i saw on twitter so i'm sure it was 100 right um i didn't you know confirm it with grinder themselves so maybe it's a little bit of the rumor mill but it did make me think like okay don't go on grinder in these countries where being gay is illegal and then find yourself in a problem but i'm kind of a little bit of well my mom always go back to that theory my mom always said they're trying to kill you so i mean i have a a little bit of skepticism to it all yeah totally and to my final question what's the biggest misconception about you biggest misconception about me you sent me the questions i should have like thought of like better answers um (laughs) biggest misconception about me um mm, i mean i don't just like twinks i do like my grandpas i do like guys of a bunch of different varieties my brand is dad versus twinks because that's what i did for my studio porn that's what people know me for um but i think that would be something that people are surprised of is to hear that i do love my older daddies at times i mean at times i do love my twinks too but that might be one thing um people might also think that um, i don't know maybe that would be biggest misconception I also have been told that the more people get to know me, the more they like me. So if you just see me from a distance, I mean, that's what's cool about this interview being two hours is that right. you, I feel like people will actually get to know more than just a soundbite um, of who I am. Right. And hopefully they'll understand the whole scope of where I came from. Having gr- grown up, grown up, grew up in Europe, I can barely speak English sometimes. Having grown up in Europe, um, my culture is reflecting european values and american values so i think that's why my my idea of like being sex being um more 
open with sex and sexuality and partying and having fun and stuff like that is definitely from living in Europe where sometimes in America, the conservative background that is the fundamentals of what it is to be America, right? Because we became America to be more religious than what it was in Europe. Right. Not to become less religious. So we, we're kind of working against that and trying to be free and be open while still having this super conservative background. So, yeah, I would say for me, this is easy. There's like two answers. One of them is that I'm like shady. I'm not, I'm not shady as I've, as I was saying through this, I'm blunt and honest. Like I'm the person who's like, I'm going to tell you, at least in my opinion, if I think you suck, I believe that I, I'm not going to say it in those harsh words, but I should believe that I should tell you that I think you suck because like, if you're, at least in my view, if you see somebody who's untalented and they're like desperately trying to get to the top of like the music industry, acting industry, whatever, and they don't have the talent, I feel like you should like, honestly tell them like, you need to do something else because you can't do this. Like, well, that's you don't have and, the talent for it. In the Netherlands, people are very direct and they're not worried about hurting your feelings. So they'll tell you directly what they think. And I'm I'm kind of a direct person as well, where if right. I don't like something, I'll tell you I don't like it. If I don't like how someone's behaving, I'll tell them. But then also in Holland, the people are not always just being direct but then they're not holding things against you and right. so it's not like in the states sometimes or in other places where people will have an issue they won't say anything and then they're always thinking in the back of their mind this person is this rather than letting it go and addressing the issue at hand and then right. moving on so i kind of like the dutch directness um which has kind of gotten me into issues at times when i'm like too direct with people and i tell them exactly what i think um yeah. but that was one of my complaints about los angeles was everyone was like mm -hmm. that's great mm -hmm. well that's wonderful yeah, totally mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um which i mean it was great it was great to learn how to do that so that when you do see people and they're saying like crazy thing you're like oh that's nice <laughs> but yeah and then that one. And then the other one is this one actually Peter Apollo told me when I asked when I like asked I like messaged him at one point and he like said like I think you're intimidating. I'm like that's literally at least for me that's like the least I consider myself like one of the most approachable people ever. I mean granted I'm tall like I'm six foot three so like I can understand why people wouldn't approach me but it's like I'm not mean. I don't bite. Like I'm Well, I think that's that could also be a misconception with me as people think that I'm taller than I am. I'm five foot seven. So like if I work with anybody who's like taller than me, I look tiny. So I work with small people. And it makes me look yeah. Um, it makes me look more like the alpha dad that I know I could be. Yeah. But anyway. Why are the dogs all right. I, I know. You gotta go. So anyway, with that being said, it was a pleasure getting to meet you. It was a pleasure meeting you. I don't like barking.
With that being said, this is Gay Out the City. I'm your host, Prince Electro Diamond, and I hope you've enjoyed. Thank you.